All right, Steve, we are back with another episode of the work week after hours. Uh, Merry Christmas. Happy New Year to you and everybody listening and watching. Yeah, indeed. Uh, and same to you, Shane. You know, experiencing Christmas in different countries has kind of got to be so cool for your kids. Uh, yeah. We are, you know, the big thing over here is really not holiday related is I've got my twins are about ready to get their driver's license. So that is presenting a whole new world of choices and, and situations here. So we're kind of getting that happens in like the end of January. So Chris was great, but that's a big one for us to start, work, you know, thinking through. Yeah. Well, you start thinking through and then it's like, okay, I got to give you some independence, but I don't really want to give you some independence. And it's nice when you can right. run to the grocery store for me, but you know, I don't want you going by your, you know, that kind of thing. So yeah, it's a, mm -hmm. it's mm -hmm. a scary time. Right. Right. And different, uh, different families have different rules for what's allowed, what's not allowed and so yeah. forth. And yeah. you know, you yes. can't drive other kids and some kids, well, they, so and so do, does it. And it's like, Oh, so, but yeah, but, but it's good, man. It's been really good. And we've had a lot of rain here in California and, uh, that's been really good. Yeah. We've had a lot of rain here in Europe and mm -hmm. today was actually sunny and tomorrow's supposed to be almost 70 degrees. So, um, oh, wow. so I will, I will take it. And then we've got more rain coming, mm -hmm. but it's, it's the rainy season here. We've had floods and some other yeah. crazy stuff, but hopefully that stuff is, is on its way out. Ironically back where I'm. Where my former home back in Kentucky, uh, mm. three days ago, the wind chill was negative 27 degrees Fahrenheit. So um, I'll take where I'll take wet and 65 degrees over yeah. over snowy and negative 27 wind chill. So, man, oh, man, what a year for, you know, weather in uh, yeah. in your former home area. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 12 months. Yeah, we went from tornadoes to crazy stuff. But um and today's speaking of crazy stuff man yeah 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 yeah. <laughs> I, was, I, was, I was gonna say yeah it's um uh, we hit on this a little bit last episode um in in the a little bit on the elon musk people are asking i re, i even saw a clip recently um of a podcast where him and some friends a bunch of other i'll call them big wigs in silicon valley were talking and one of them actually asked so there's a lot of people asking now like is is Elon's way the way, right? Is Elon's way the way? And, um, you know, there's been this whole big fight among some of these big people. We saw an article, I think the top is a fortune article. The article is CEOs from Elon Musk to Jamie Dimon, one of your favorite people, uh, mm -hmm. fought to bring workers back to the office in 2022. And then it goes on to say, here's who won and here's who lost the great return to office war and i don't mm -hmm. even I, even the title i don't like because it shouldn't be like why is it a war yeah. right mm -hmm. so yeah it's uh it's in, it's it's very very interesting and uh, i know you've got some some interesting takes on on all of this and you can kick us off here yeah i i was really um just presented with lots of different thoughts reading that article in particular and encourage people to check it out it yeah i wouldn't say it's you know you know, outstanding journalism, other than the fact that, you know, this truly cemented in my mind, like this was the most interesting barometer of the future work moment for us. I think this having to contemplate be, being forced to contemplate people working different circumstances and then being presented with, okay, now we've got a choice. Mm 
We don't have government requirements. We don't have health and safety standards driving these decisions. And, you know, we, we've started this whole podcast with, you know, we want to change the conversation around the future work to be more human. And I can't think of a better real example for us to really look at and say, I agree with you. This is not a conversation of a war. Like who's going to win, who's going to lose. I think it's more a moment of learning for all of us to take a look and say, if the future work is more human, you know, we shouldn't just be solving for the work productivity. We should be solving for the life productivity. And what really started my thinking on this, I'd love to hear your thoughts too, is how can so many CEOs be so certain that the office is the best way? How can you be that so certain when you never even really open, were open to trying it? You didn't give an extended period of time. And it's, it, I get it. It's hard for you to use the pandemic as a test because the world was very scary and uncertain for a lot of reasons, not business related. Okay. So, but by all, by all accounts, most accounts, we, people were way more productive from a business perspective during that craziness. So, how can you say for sure and become an expert on, oh, in-person is the only way when you never really gave that an opportunity? And I think that's what the world of the talent that we hear and we see and we speak to and, you know, call it middle management on down um, is saying is I want more flexibility, I want more freedom. I like a lot of how my life rolled when it had a little more freedom. You know, and so and that's the big question right now is really you're so certain that everyone has to be back in. You're not even going to give it a shot. You're not even going to signal openness, uh, you know, and some creativity here. And I I feel I mean, everyone knows how I feel. If you listen to any of our shows like that's a real missed opportunity that that you're really, um, you know, letting go. And and I I think that's a miss. It's a big miss. And. And I can't believe so many of these big things. So take a look, Tim Cook's, you know, in the interview and Apple's one of the companies and I've, you know, one of my friends in HR says never do HR for a company that's in the press every day. That's going to be no fun. And I feel for the people at Apple, but you're in the press every day and there's some good and some bad that comes with that. But part of it is, you know, Apple's tried it and they go, nope, our workforce is nope. And they lost some big people when they were so hardcore, uh, some big design people. Um, and, and now they've walked it back and said, okay, let's let's come forward and say, we think this is better, but we also recognize that you know what's better for you more than we do, you know, in some cases. So we're gonna try to be flexible. Yeah, it's 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 all really it's all really interesting when you look at like all like I what I don't understand in like is is the is the way we word this and the way we talk about it is like, like, like I said, like, I don't even like the word war. Cause at the end of the day, we're like it. And I've talked about this before. There's all this verbiage and all this language used around work that is separating like the person who's in charge. So management from an individual contributor, right? Like there's, mm-hmm. there's, there's all or owners to, you know, employed staff like there's all this language that separates that and a war only means like there's some sort of divide in what i want right and at the end of the day Mm -hmm. your your supply chain if you will of whatever battle you're trying to fight controls who wins and who loses right like in if that's how you look at it but at the end of the day why can't we benefit as a company 
by not approaching it like a war, but approaching it as in like, okay, let's see what's going to work, right? Let's see what, like you said, how do we, how do you know someone is? I don't think you can. I don't think a person can know. Um, mm -hmm. I think it's fear. Um, you know, none of these guys or gals are going to get up and say, I'm scared. I'm scared to, I'm scared to let my staff work from home. Right. Mm -hmm. Because, because on the flip side of it, I saw an article today where the CEO of Salesforce says, and he says, the article says staff hired during the pandemic is least productive, right? Like is it like is, is less productive than those who were already with them, right? Mm -hmm. So it goes back to you and I talk about this a lot about like what KPIs are we actually tracking, right? Mm. And then and then because then it because then this whole language of people just don't want to work anymore. Maybe they don't want to work for you, mm -hmm. right? Maybe like like sometimes we got to be okay with like we're the problem, right? Yeah. Like we like we we are the actual problem in this in this yeah. scenario. And yeah, I don't know how, like you said, if you don't give it a real effort, but how do we get them? How, 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 how do like, if the pandemic is didn't force a person, like we've even talked about this thing called a region beta paradox, right? Mm -hmm. If, 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 if the pandemic didn't give someone, didn't make things so uncomfortable that they felt like they had to, what could possibly happen outside of mass, you know, exits and mass, you know, people quitting in mass yeah. of, of where, right? Yeah. We'll so, go back to what you, that article, I didn't read the article, but it, it triggers me when I hear, you know, Oh, new hires during the pandemic are not as productive. So my first question is, okay, this starts to feel to me like someone's coming at this with an agenda to show that remote work is, has got real problems. And my first reaction is, well, Maybe it's because you didn't train them. Maybe because you never onboarded right. Maybe you don't know how to, you know, leverage it. Maybe you didn't want them to succeed. And maybe you're overlooking all the muscle memory that the people who were there before they went remote had. You know, this is, and and we've talked about this before. You can't take a look at a company who is was together before and then remote during the pandemic and compare that to a company that was together before but grew 20, 30, 40% with new hires during the pandemic and those people they're they, you can't compare them. It's a completely different start and end point. And so, you know, and we have, have we gotten great at onboarding people remotely? Probably not yet. I mean, uh, so, you know, did you, did you adjust your orientation? Right. So good. What did you, did yeah, you so, yeah. 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 So, so you're hitting on some of what it says. So it, this, <laughs> yeah. what essentially, essentially what this was, was an internal Slack message that, got leaked out, right? Like somebody screenshotted it and shared it out. And he said something. Um, he said, Friday, the company's newest hires aren't being productive enough. And he asked for feedback as to why that's the case, right? Mm -hmm. Are we not? He, so this is a big one. Are we not building tribal knowledge with new employees without an office culture? I think that's actually a good question, right? You and I have talked about this, right. like how, like that's one of the things that you miss out on that, Right. everyday sponge Shane, the question wasn't how can we build tribal knowledge better remotely it was is that the way or not not yeah what can we do differently in this more remote world to make that tribal knowledge realized maybe better than when we're in person i don't know 
But you see what the way the question's being asked is sort of like, and if you well, answer no, then uh, we got to get back in. It's a setup. He, he asked the message viewed by, this is a CNBC article. He mm -hmm. said he was, quote unquote, asking for a friend. Obviously a friend, a, a, a yeah. phrase people often use to be humorous and reveal curiosity. Mm -hmm. Like the message included emoji showing a smiling face. Um, and then it goes on and it says, we have a hybrid work environment that empowers leaders and teams to work together with purpose. They can decide when and where they come together to collaborate, innovate, and drive customer success. And then it goes, here's the full text of his Slack post. His, he posted a question. How do we increase the productivity of our employees at Salesforce? New employees hired during the pandemic in 2021 and 2022 are especially facing much lower productivity. Is this a reflection of our office policy? Are we not building tribal knowledge with new employees without an office culture? Are manage, managers not directly addressing productivity with their teams? Are we not investing enough time into our new employees? Do managers focus enough time and energy on onboarding new employees and achieving productivity? Mm. Is, mm. Coming, is coming as a new employee to Salesforce too overwhelming? Asking for a friend. I'm leaving this open-ended to get the broadest level response. Mm -hmm. Now, my response to this is mm -hmm. none of those people who are hired in the last 12 months are going to respond. Most of them are not going to openly start responding in this Slack message where you, you put a target on them, mm -hmm. both with their team and with him. Right. Because, because what if someone really smart, so this is going to, well, right. There's political, you know, risk there, but they also don't have the before experience Correct. of what it should have looked like or could have looked like. And they don't and know. Sh and should that matter? Right. Right. And should, and, and should, and should that matter that they've only been like, and that's the, th I don't think so. Meaning mm -hmm. I think it's super mm -hmm. valid that, um, you know, it, it's super valid. Like I've, I've brought somebody on board to start helping me on my side of business things and different things. And just because they haven't ever done this before, doesn't mean like we sat down yesterday and had a whole discussion and said, Hey, just give me your thoughts. Give me your ideas. Like tell me. And, we, and mm -hmm. some of it makes a lot of sense. So mm -hmm. it's like, why don't like, like we should be okay in yeah. saying like, but I don't think this is the forum. Like a Slack message turns into like an internal, like, like mm -hmm. <laughs> it's like, like pile yeah. on session. Like it's not, it's not, it could, it's not it could be good. yeah. And I mean, it's probably coming from a, it's probably coming from a really good place. I, I would also wonder how well they measure productivity before and after. And I would also bet money that existing employees are less productive during the pandemic than they were before. I would almost bet money. Like, you know, you can't say that the person who's working in person who went remote, you know, didn't have a little bit of a, a change somehow, somewhere. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, so those new hires, well, wait a second, let's just look at the whole company. How does the company, you know, measuring and, and how effective are you measuring product? product like, I, I don't know. I really wonder that because that's I've tried to do this my whole career, Shane. It's not easy, P productive. So, you know. So so so, so here's that. some of the responses. So here's some of the responses. So, some mm -hmm. reacted with an emoji stating this alongside an up arrow. Others shows emojis that read WFH work from home or mm -hmm. citation needed. Dozens sent. Dozens dozens went with a standard emoji. 
known as a thinking face. Benioff chimed in again in his response, asking hard questions of employees. Now, see, I'm, this is where I'm like asking hard questions of employees and customers and each other for their mm-hmm. answers is one of the most effective ways to get answers as a leader today. Yeah, he wrote, except if you're the CEO. <laughs> Correct. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Like, yes, it's right. why we bought Slack. Because there is no better way to ask questions and crowdsource answers quickly. Already today, we have almost 500 replies to these questions. Amazing, incredible stuff. Mm-hmm. Why? Mm-hmm. See, see, here it goes. This goes. See, if I'm like we, you know this. If 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 you're if you're at LinkedIn, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden you hold. Uh, town hall. You didn't have Slack back then, so you know mm-hmm. you, you hold a town hall, and you're like, okay. Like, here's some things, there's some things that have come up, right? Like there's, you know, maybe it was, hey, there, we've caught wind, we're pondering going public. I know there's a lot of questions and everybody's got to answer, like you you go on these things. You're not going to, like, if you start off that, if you start off that meeting with, why, I guess I I don't know how to word this other than to say, why, why start off with saying, asking employees hard questions, why not start out by creating an environment to where it, it like it make it allows, like it, it creates a safe, comfortable spot for mm-hmm. people to openly say, rather than, cause if you say employee, now I instantly think, well, you don't think I'm doing anything. Mm-hmm. You don't like you, why, why does he think we're not doing anything? Why, like, why does mm-hmm. he not understand? There's no context and, and, and productivity, Eh, depending on the company you're in, you, we could argue that it is, it is, um, mm-hmm. you know, it's 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 relative, right? Like, to, yeah. based on what you know, what your expectations are. So yeah. I, I don't know. Like, I don't. I I I know he's. Listen, I know he's super super well respected. I don't have a positive mm-hmm. or negative feel yeah. on him. I've not I've not followed him a whole lot. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know a lot of people like him, um, and I certainly don't want to ruin a guy because of a Slack message that which. Was he even stated? He's like, it's. I hope that we all agree. It's also disappointing that our private conversations here were almost immediately given to the public media. I wonder how do we reinforce that trust? Uh, that trust is our highest company value. So that you yeah. like, he could have done that. Yeah, he could have. This is if I, if I'm his HR leader right now, uh, or if I was an executive or whoever, if I was an employee there and I, you know, I know a little bit of his style because I know I have a bunch of friends that work, that work at Salesforce. I would say, OK, what did he just do? He just sent a shot across the bow to the managers in the company. Get your shit together and you need to be more thoughtful around including people in because I'm worried about our productivity. OK, but if I'm if he's asking me, hey, what do you think of that? I'm like, you led the witness. You you yeah. you didn't you uh, you made a statement through a question. You could have said, "Data, the data that I'm seeing makes me wonder if we are optimizing all the resources in the best possible way. What ideas do y'all have? Are you feeling like you're set up to succeed? Are you feeling, if you've been here a while, you're successful as you could be? Are you feeling, if you just joined, you're still you know, in the dark a little bit? I want this to be a great place where no matter when you join, no matter where you sit, that you realize the best. That's not where he went. And here's the problem, Shane. And in, in in his defense, most CEOs, you know what they spend their time doing? Solving the hardest, most difficult, complex problem because they're perfectionists. 
and they don't, yeah. you know, and I, I've, I've, I think I've told this story before on an earlier podcast. I mean, I had a moment at, at LinkedIn and, and, um, you know, he's talked about it on other podcasts. So I feel comfortable sharing it here without giving anything away where, you know, the, he, he was asking me for, for uh, some brainstorming on an issue where, you know, he wasn't feeling that he was as inspiring as he could be to his team. And so we just taught, I just asked him some questions like, so where are you engaging with your team mostly in my office? What is the topic you're mostly engaged with? A problem. Something's broken. So I said, what do you think people are feeling when you say, let's have a meeting in my office? It's yeah. about something that's broken. It's yeah. not fun. It's not uplifting. But that's what you got to do. And you see, that's really hard when you're a perfectionist and you see something wrong. Like, oh, I'm just going to go make a, you know, sort of get all hypothetical here and lightly, you want to solve it now. Right. And that's, I mean, that's a, a problem that I think we, we've all carry, which is I see, and you know, just take it to parenting. We see what's wrong. We see the behavior that needs to change. We can tell them what to do, but is that going to drive the behavior change no. or we're going to have to let them screw it up, let them yeah. bump their knees or fall off the ladder, whatever it is. Um, and learn. And that's, yeah. that's really hard. So I have yeah. a lot of empathy when I see something like that, I go, there's could be a lot. There's so much that we don't know that's going on behind the scenes, but I, you know, in the, in the most pure objective way, I would have sought input a little bit differently, but I don't think that's what his goal was here. He's a smart dude. Yeah, I'm yeah. sending so, a message right now. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Now, and, 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 yeah, I mean, I'm, there's no doubt he, I mean, he typed it out. This wasn't like an off the cuff conversation. Like, right. He thought, I mean, maybe, maybe, I don't, I mean, if it was Elon Musk, I would say, yeah, yeah. If he was Elon Musk, I would say, oh, no, he probably in the spur of the moment had no idea what he was doing and just said something and, and replied, right? Mm -hmm. So so here, here, here's something that I am curious of. If, so Salesforce, ironically, deals with, I mean, I've used Salesforce before. My previous company, we used Salesforce. Um, you essentially can track almost every single data point that happens within your organization with Salesforce. And and it's super clunky unless you're like, like we used, we used it and we shouldn't have and ended up moving away just because it, mm -hmm. it was too big for what we needed. But yeah. um, everything is, 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 is built off of data. And a very large majority of their staffing is sales, right? So mm -hmm. if if I look at if I look at productivity the same way I look at revenue, right? If I if 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 you walk in and you see your chief revenue officer and you say, hey, fourth quarter revenue is down, right? You wouldn't go about it this way to address it with your team, right? You would use mm -hmm. the data and analytics and systems in place. Or if it was just completely gone haywire, you would get the smartest people across the entire organization and sit down and say, okay, tell me, tell me, tell me, help me find a blind spot, right? Help, mm -hmm. help me, help me find a blind spot, right? I don't think there's anyone that would argue that Salesforce at the, at the top 10% have some of the smartest technical workers sure. in the world, right? Super like talented. that. Yeah. 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 Super talented. So why not? They have the talent and the data to, to actually know whether or not this is actually working. Right. So mm -hmm. to your point, either he already knows the answer to this 
or mm -hmm. it's a it's it is a misstep and and we'll we won't know right like you'll never know mm -hmm. you would never know if the ceo of salesforce he, he's going to tell you and then mm -hmm. you just have to believe it right so yeah it, it, it is one of those things of like why don't we the same way we look at marketing the same way we look at sales why don't we look at talent the same way why don't we approach it and solve it and try to go about it the same way it's it, it's it's almost as if you can't it's almost like if you're afraid like they're afraid to maybe in mm -hmm. some way and maybe that's there's legal reasons and all of that but yeah well if you take a to extend what you're saying uh and i was thinking about this listening to you know if salesforce is the model that we're going to use here to your point around we've learned a lot if we're we are i would uh, uh venture that they're biggest client are sales people who want to track their relationships and their sales funnel and and so forth and prospects aren't most sales people remote don't most of sales people work remotely i mean going into the pandemic you you guys should be you know crushing it because the world that you live in your clients are all remote yeah you know so you you know that capacity to communicate to organize to problem solve in a remote fashion you know um I, I was in asia for two years of my career and i was supporting uh the sales organization for that part of the world and every monday we had you know sales call and it was everyone here you know message from the top was first okay here's what's coming up you know new products coming out or we've got a you know, uh, there's some sort of, you know, economic issue with, you know, one of our models in this country or that country, there's a tariff or whatever, like, we're okay, here's the, um, here's the, how the numbers look. Now let's go region to region and let's go um, vertical to vertical and see, and people, you know, things like, here's how it's going. Here's where I need help. And so we, we actually, it was probably like a one hour call once a week, beginning of the week. Uh, and you just started off with, and it was, everyone was calling in. This was before video conference even. So you would just call in, but you had a good sense of what was going on and you felt connected and, and there was a certain rhythm to that, you know? And so I think, you know, Salesforce has an asset, like you said, you know, salespeople, you know, let's use the tools that we have that help, should help us open our eyes to how we can solve problems a little bit differently. And I would think that Salesforce would want to be seen as the best, you know, company to show how you can lead remotely totally <laughs> because that's who our customer is right so 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 let's look at this then because because i think about this too uh because it, it leads actually leads me back to the elon musk tesla thing but how mm. many of those people that they hired were full-time employees how many of them were contractors mm. what's the breakdown like what's the breakdown right. of productivity like like that's where my mind right. goes and and I know yeah. you and I, we live in this world on a daily basis. Like we're like, we're, mm -hmm. we deal with everyone having, having these conversations. Um, so maybe it's that outside perspective of looking at something and mm -hmm. saying, well, maybe like, maybe ask these questions, right? Like, like go in and like, are you, and do you have the systems in place to track the productivity of those people that we've hired full time? Cause, cause I know of people who've been hired at really high levels in companies who are working two jobs, two borderline senior management level positions for two different companies and killing it. And I don't mean killing it as in like they're telling me they're killing it. 
they've shared with me screenshots of internal messages of they're killing it and how excited they are and new raises mm -hmm. and, you know, new options and all these different things. And it's like, I wonder, like you wonder, right? Like, like maybe, maybe what we're looking at is we're only asking or we're only solving part of the puzzle, right? So it's like a safe, right? Mm -hmm. Maybe cracking the safe to the new world of work. Maybe it's, maybe it's not just like, maybe people aren't, it's, and, and, and I'll say this, maybe the workers, the individual contributors don't even know this is part of the problem. Maybe it's not just saying, do you want to work from home? Do you want to work from the office? We're in office, we're remote. Maybe the other piece of that is, but do you also want to be, um, do you want to be a contractor, right? Do you, do you want to be like, cause there's a different, there's a different psychology. I I'm telling like there is, there just is a different psychology. Mm -hmm. And the reason I say this brings me back to the Elon Musk and everything that happened to Twitter, like all this stuff. And this is where I find, and this is, this goes back to the psychology of the leader. He, he's made all these statements about into office, into office, into office, into office. And then on the same podcast snippet, I hear him say, they still have 5,000 contractors at Twitter. 5,000 contractors. Those people are not working in an office. Mm -hmm. So why is the psychology different based off, based off of the HR coding in the system of a classification of an employee about where, like how you judge it. Right. Mm -hmm. And you know, do you see what I'm saying? Like maybe, like maybe, maybe the, maybe, maybe there's a radical move where companies could, maybe they're asking the wrong questions. Should we go fully remote? Should we go back in the office? Should we go completely full contractor? Should we just make everybody a contractor? Right. right. Should we like, right. like, you know what I'm saying? Like it's, mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. If I look at the feed on a lot of the posts that I do on TikTok, um, I think I'm hitting a demographic there that's sort of right in that frontline worker to middle management is the a lot of the audience there, or, or maybe in, independent people. And there's enormous, enormous frustration, right? People saying, you know, you should have your own job. Why even work for someone else? And that, you know, there, there's a lot of data to support the movement to, to gig workers to, you know, out of the spirit of, I gain control. I set my own boundaries. I don't have to play in, you know, political systems that don't align with my views of the world. Well, we've seen a lot of stories come out recently around travel nurses, for example, um, who realizing enormous wage increase, all of a sudden, getting kneecapped and having, you know, $96 an hour go down to $45 an hour with no, with no warning. And that's the life of a independent contractor is like, sometimes you don't have long-term visibility to, you know, extended work and things can change pretty quickly. So, you know, the whole allure and the notion of, Oh yeah, I'm in control, you know, mm, things could change pretty quickly and pretty um, unfavorably. Um, and that's uncomfortable for some people. And I think the allure of just going out on your own, oh yeah, it's all good, gets a little bit of a jolt when something like that happens. And there've been a few more stories about that around, yeah, people want that independence, but there's a lot of challenge comes with that. 
healthcare costs in the United States, um, uncertainty of work, you know, having to invest in selling yourself when you're not, you've never had experience selling yourself before. Right. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's just interesting, you know, to see that the shine of independence and gig work comes at a cost, you know, and, and there's some, you know, go, go to this eyes wide open, I guess is the, you know, is, is part of the parable on that one, but, you know, taking it back to what you were saying earlier around, you know, if we're coming at this show and coming at this conversation from a more human future work, I mean, the lessons and the opportunities that we're seeing here are just, I mean, enormous, uh, how many new things that we're learning and seeing and we're only being blocked by our fear of, you know, uh, feeling like we have to fall back on what we know, you know, because that's the safest, that's the safest play. Um, and even those big names that you mentioned earlier, the Elons, the Jamie Dimons, the Tim Cooks and so forth, they're, they're having to adjust and course correct yeah. too. There's no, there's no one right way here. And we've said this before in the show and I believe it with all my heart. The future work is very customized and highly variable. It's not a one-size-fits-all uh, model that that was easier to to run with, because everything's changing so quickly. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. And and if you want the best, you're going to have to provide the best, you know, flexible arrangements. I think. Yeah. Uh, it's, kind, it's, it's kind of like being it's kind of like being the captain of a boat, right? Like you you've got to you've got to prepare and you've got to have the the people the 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 fishermen who man these big boats they have a bigger yield and a bigger ROI on their trips out based off of how they respond to inclement weather and like you know changes in you know changes in the atmosphere like these different things that you don't like you don't like that are that are un um non-visible when they set out right like they're mm -hmm. like they're they're yeah. out right and I came across an article while 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 you were talking. I I just typed in. I said, "Are are contract workers more productive than full time employees?" Right. This is from the Bureau of Labor and Statistics in 2016. Okay, and some mm -hmm. would argue, well, that's irrelevant. I would argue that we have more technology that creates. I'm not saying they're using it correctly. I'm saying we have more mm -hmm. technology that creates a, a dispersed workforce that, sh that, that, that has more technology in place to be more productive and to be like, I'm not saying it's been used. Managers sometimes aren't very good. Like, you know, people training mm -hmm. onboarding and it says, it says what it says. Contract workers are more productive than full-time employees. It says nearly one in two business leaders believe that contract workers are more productive than full-time employees. Among these groups, nearly three in four believe that contractors are specialized workers that can be more skilled than full-time employees. And so, so what that says to me, and you and I know this because we know the world, that means, and you talk about this a lot, of the value um, caring about a person's entire journey in what they do, not just in the time they're with you, meaning invest in them, help upskill them. That's how you like, like this, the whole engagement or make people happy or whatever mm -hmm. metric you're using, whatever this right here, like this is to me, this tells the story and I'll find an article for another episode that's more relevant mm -hmm. or more, more time. But, but this says 76% 
say 71% believe that contracts are specialized workers that could be more skilled than full-time employees. So the more skilled you are, the more productive you are. Why is that, right? Because now I can now I can have that fluidity and move you around, right? So mm-hmm. maybe what Mark Benioff should have asked, right? And maybe internally they're asking, maybe what he should have asked is, do we understand the skills of the people we've hired? Maybe we've got them in the wrong position. Maybe they're bored. Maybe we're not pouring into them enough. Maybe it's right. not because because maybe it's not your onboarding. Maybe your onboarding is the best in the world, right? Are we pour right. are we are we pouring into them? Because there's people right now over the last six months who 18 months ago would have quit if they were if they weren't if they felt those things. And right, right. now, because of the recession, they're not gonna leave. They're not mm-hmm. gonna leave. Yep. But you can you can 12 months from now, I promise you, we will be talking about another huge wave of people quitting because the yep. economy will turn around. So it's really interesting to hear this knowledge of like, like how, how, and this is in 2016, it says measurement, Mm. measurement critical, but not companies actually, but do companies actually have the right tools? Nearly all business leaders, 92% agree that productivity needs to be monitored in order for companies to be successful. And most business leaders, 84% believe that they have the right tools and mechanisms to measure productivity. Now, where this yeah. article is probably outdated is that's seven years ago, and there's a whole lot of new technology that's come out. And do our leaders know how to do that? Right? If you've upgraded yeah. your systems, mm-hmm. if you're at LinkedIn, and you okay, I, 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 we won't, I won't divulge the name, but you and I talked to a company recently, and I remember them bragging about how long their senior management had been there. Mm-hmm. Right. To me, that's a red flag. Mm-hmm. To me, how do they understand the new systems that are out there in place? So that means they're responsible for your new people and they don't know how to do it. Who's training them? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. yeah. Well, a lot of what you said is really, really interesting and really worth sort of uh, replaying here, I think. And that is what this moment in time has served us, what this year has continued the conversation around is like, what is work? And what resources do you really need and who should or needs to be employed by you and who do you just need to pull in for a period of time? And this, you know, there's so many factors that are driving this conversation. One is the acceleration of the need for new skills and the lag of time to learn. So, you know, in, in, in a world where newer and newer skills are needed faster than ever before and jobs are changing, you're kind of left with, are we going to still lag recruiting and have all this expense and time to do that? Are we going to continue to have to find plug and play options out there of people who already know how to do this stuff? We don't have to train them. It's going to cost us a little bit more. Um, But is it really costing us more than all the money we're spending with jobs open and people burning out, having to do two jobs? You see what I'm saying? So, and, and on top of what work should be done together in a room, what work can be done remotely? What work needs to, you know, and that we've never had that conversation. Why are we even meeting? Why are, why are we in the office versus not? What should yeah. be worked on there? What should not be? And that's not a simple answer. Just like, you know, I've told this story a million times. Just like we solved the biggest problem of recruiting at LinkedIn in the most competitive part of the world, in the most competitive environment where people are, you know, 
We're getting million-dollar signing bonuses by asking the simplest question ever. Why would anyone want to work here? Well, and that was just so – and then it, that because the question was so simple, but it wasn't. It was a question we never asked because we always thought, oh, because we're nice, we're friendly, we pay well, we're good, we've got a good investors, we've got good upside. No, that helped us go, oh, not everyone should work here. And who's the right person for us? And what's the real reason someone should come work here? Um, and th these simple kinds of questions, I think, are really, really important. Like, why do we need to go to the office? If you're just saying because, that's not going to work. You're saying because that's our culture? Mm -mm, no. People, that's not good enough. You what say, do you, well, what, you know, go ahead. What, what do you, what, sorry, what, what do you say, okay, when you say that to a leader, what do you say? Well, yeah, you know what, Steve, we heard you say that um, nine months ago, and we asked our staff that nine months ago. But now, but we weren't having those problems. Now, now we're having these problems, right? So to me, and, and you've talked a lot about this, this isn't a once a year conversation, right? This isn't a, like every now and like if you if you didn't like do you see what i'm saying like it's like mm -hmm. it's like things have changed the world has changed the world changed again since eight months ago right mm -hmm. nine months ago we've got a war breaking out in europe we've got mm -hmm. gas prices you know how like you know um, natural gas prices going crazy we've got inflation now we've got recession we got interest rates a bunch yeah. of people bought a house for example you talk a lot about this there's so many outside factors influencing a person's mental well-being and how they perceive their life, right? And 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 we have to include work in that in that conversation yeah. now, right? I saw a, I saw a thing that said 250,000 people who purchased a home this year now owe more on that home than what it's worth, right? Already. Right. So, so, so think about this for a second. Imagine what that does to an employee. So how many, so, so, so if I'm at Salesforce and the reason I'm, the reason I'm using Salesforce now is because they have 70 some thousand employees, right? They have mm -hmm. a very large data set, right? right? Let's say, let's say 15, let's say 20,000 of those are American, right? They're in the United States. If even if only 3% of your staff bought a home this year mm -hmm. and now have that, that's a stressor that now is scaring the daylights out of them. That's, mm -hmm. I'm not saying that's your problem to yeah. fix, yeah. right? but you got to understand the psychology of what's happening. How many of those people also live in a place to where they just got hit with a blizzard, right? How many of those people also right. live in a place where there's been rolling blackouts, right? Right. Imagine, well, in your neighborhood, the price of energy has gone yeah. for some families 400%. Uh, yeah. I mean, that's, just... that's got to hit you as an employer. Like something is now, you know, impeding my, my employee's ability to focus. Yeah. That's real. And I can't necessarily solve that problem, you know? Let me, let me put that in context for you. I just got my first electric and gas bill. But no, well, I didn't get my first bill. I just got since all of this. Most recent the, one. Yeah, mm -hmm. most recent one. For context, in Portugal, the average annual salary is right at a thousand U.S. dollars for the average Portuguese resident, right? Portuguese citizen. 
my bill was $428. Just my electric bill was $428. So half of a person's salary is go like, and I don't, we don't like, I'm not keeping lights on like crazy. And I mean, do I maybe mm. have some more electronic? Yeah, maybe, but like mm -hmm. it's okay. Let, what if it's $300, right? Like, mm -hmm. so like, so do, are we aware of those things? It's not, you know, I tell, I tell you about the story where, um, I heard Brene Brown. I saw, I saw her speak. She's actually one of the first speakers I ever saw at a business conference years and years ago. Uh -huh. And I heard her and I heard her give a talk. And she talked about this thing about, she was in this meeting and there were two and she kept looking over and this guy just kept checking his phone. It was a really serious meeting and a really like critical time. And she walked out of the meeting and she was like, I'm going to fire this guy. Like he wasn't paying attention. He wasn't. And then she was like, you know what? No, I'm going to, I'm going I'm to see what's going on. And she walked up and, he, and before she could say anything, he said, you know what? Hey, can we meet again? Because I missed some of that. I'm really sorry. Today was the first day we left our two kids alone. They're old enough to be left alone. And we told them, do not call us unless there's an emergency. And my kids were wearing me out via text over petty stuff and spilled something. And she's like, here, I got in this thing. It's not, sometimes we want to think it's us or we want to think it's the place, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I would argue most of the time it's probably not. It's, it's, mm -hmm. it's, it's not. So yeah, it's just such a, it's, it's, it, there's, there's so many outside factors if outside factors influence how a person feels overall in life, work, life, personal relationships, family, all that, if outside and, and, it, and, and there's more factors than ever, then work has to be more human. Mm -hmm. it, it has to be more human. The only way anyone can justify to me that work isn't more human for the future is if you can somehow remove every external influence from that person, from energy bills to health, to pandemic, to school, to daycare, to health insurance, to, to all these different things. There's no way if you can't eliminate those things, it has to be more human. It mm -hmm. has to be because you have to understand the human better to create a better world of work, to be a, create a better environment of work. You, this is like, this guy goes back to, I think probably why you and I were saying it's the questions that was asked and how they were asked in that mm -hmm. Slack message. Are we asking questions to understand our people better? I don't think that's what happened there. I think he's mm -hmm. asking questions thinking, what are we doing wrong? What are you doing wrong? What's going on with our people? What's, mm -hmm. what's happened? Right. So, yeah. Yeah. And, 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 and that gets at the core of, you know, what is that relationship? How, how can that relationship evolve to be more meaningful for both people? Right. Um, I was at a, a session a few weeks ago and there was real visceral frustration among the leaders in the room around, well, we don't want to be the training ground for our competitors. Um, you know, this is just not okay. And I said, yeah, but Five minutes ago, you just told me you know your people are going to leave sooner than before. So what are we really talking about? Really talk about your frustration that you don't like what you know is coming. Um, and you know, and and so you know, do you want your kids to have a choice where they work? Yes, I do. Okay, do you want your employees to have a choice where they work? Well, no. 
I want them to just work for me and yeah. I want them to not low, but that's, you know, you can't have it that way. So this whole notion, I mean, we've moved, I think from, you know, you're lucky to have a job to, Hey, we'd really love to have you stay here. And I don't know how that goes, but you're right around calling this out that, you know, how you communicate, how you engage the conversation, the relationship is probably going to need a refresh here. Yeah. You know, so, so bringing us back to the original start of the conversation, mm. who won and who lost, who gets it, who doesn't get it. Mm-hmm. Is that actually what, like, like, so it's not actually like the decision. It goes back to what you just said. It's the communication and are you asking the right questions? Right. Cause yeah. Yeah. Cause it's ever evolving. Yeah. Hey, it's, this it's, just hit me Shane and, in, in uh, you know, in, in our world, I think we exist to help leaders feel more comfortable in a world that's increasingly uncomfortable. And I just, I just thought of something and maybe it's, it's a little bit raw and it needs to be fine tuned. But so one of the biggest challenges you have as a leader is the skill gap keeps rising. Like I got new technology, I need new skills and I can't grow it fast enough or or hire fast enough. I kind of feel like the leadership, there's a bigger leadership gap around I used to be able to lead this way and now I need to lead. So the leadership skill gap is almost bigger than the technical skill gap. You see what I'm saying? And so yeah. I'm going to have to help people like, listen, you got to, you understand the, the technical skill gap. Yes, you do. Okay. So the leadership skill gap is even lagging that because you're using a model of recruiting and understanding career ladders and all that. That's based on a different time. Are you ready to build something new, right? And that's, I talk about this in the book about, it's like, we need a new contract that feels satisfying to both. And maybe that needs to be one of the pivots that we really focus on is, you know, what does that leader of the future really look like in a way that feels satisfying and achievable and realizable? And it isn't so, because we can quickly fall into you knuckleheads, but nobody's waking up going, man, I, I can't wait to just deflate my people by telling them to go back to the office. They're not saying they're not, that's not inspiring them. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, no. So I don't, I'm going to show my Kentucky roots here. Um, <laughs> we, it, we, we have this thing called the farmer's almanac. Are you familiar with this? Mm-hmm. I, okay. Yes. Okay. So, so for those of you who don't know what a farmer's almanac is, farmers have been trusting this method of, I don't, I don't understand the science behind it, but when they put plants in and out, when, and it, and it's, pretty spot on with how they use it. Like when they use crops, when they put certain crops in the ground, when the last frost, Mm -hmm. yeah. When the last frost will be those things, essentially what we're doing. And I don't know why this hit me in this way, but essentially what you're saying from a leader standpoint, it's where you're trying to manage a farm and get the highest yield of crops, but you're using a farmer's almanac from seven years ago. You're not using the one for this year. You're not using right. the one with the update. Like you're, it's like, it's like, okay, think about, um, think about the world, think about a world where, you know, all these different things are like, there's new roads being built every day. There's new intersections, there's new interstates, there's new things. It's like, you're trying to get from point A to point B and you're using a paper map off MapQuest from 2001 right. rather than, you know, the, it's, it's like, it's like, remember the GPS, um, you and I recently just met the founder of, uh, of Tom, Tom, right. And, yeah. um, yeah. and, and yeah. Tom, Tom, even, even the GPS, the standalone GPS you used to have to update it in like buy the new maps 
you know, every year because they would update the thing. If not, mm -hmm. you'd mm -hmm. make a wrong turn and you'd end up driving down some dirt road somewhere and you'd be off. We have to be able to navigate. And as a leader, are, are you constantly looking to update your operating mm -hmm. system right now? Because if you're not looking, it's kind of like an app on your phone. If you're not looking to update the apps on your phone on auto, mm -hmm. and you sit there and you look over, and now all of a sudden you've got 144 yeah. app updates. So maybe that's maybe that's a workshop that needs to be built. And maybe we could recruit our friend Brad to help us do this, which is okay, let's talk about all the ways that work has changed. Let's just let's just architect it out. That'll be phase step one of the exercise. Step two, let's list all the ways that you're leading differently today versus five years, you know, the five years, whatever the point of reference is that you want to do. Let's here's how work has changed, people has changed, jobs has changed, whatever. How has your leadership game plan strategy focus changed and and then see has it evolved at the same clip or faster um and if not well why not you know and what what could evolve you know um yeah. to be different and we talked about this a little bit before the episode here i mean i you know you can't you can't picture a bigger sports fan not just from like I got my team and I want to win just the whole, the whole um, crucible of everything that happens in a competitive event just excites me. The winners, you, the losers. You, you, you take it serious. Yes. Yeah. I, yes. I, 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 the whole thing. I don't care if I'm, what I'm watching little league to, you know, professional sports. It's fascinating to me to see what's going on in college football right now in the United States. And those of you who are, are not in the States, there was a massive rule change largely driven by the pandemic, which will be impossible to reverse, which is if you go to a university and you wanted to change schools and you're in a top tier division, you had to wait a year, sit out a year before you could play because they feel they felt it was too disadvantageous and you're not getting anything as an athlete other than free tuition. Okay. Prior now in recognizing that you know, the pandemic, you know, things change, your coach could change. They now rip that rule out. You can go to any new school and we have some teams where a quarter of the team says, I want to transfer to another school and they go into what's called a transfer portal. And the way that they've moved from you're here at least a couple of years to maybe a year and then you're going to go. And the way that's influencing leadership is like, well, now you really got to make me want to stay here because the rules prohibited me from having the freedom that I have now. And now I have full freedom and some of these leaders that didn't have to play nice or didn't have to have a great culture. Oh, you got to now you got to have a reason for people want to stay. It's just and, amazing. And you can leave and make more money mm -hmm. because now, mm -hmm. because now, you, now you make more money. So I, I love it because of what, of what we do. And I love seeing like the, the conversations online about this is going to ruin this is in the same person I'll have a right. conversation with and they'll be like, man, if you know how I can like, man, all these new jobs and all this new money, if you can help me out, like, wh why do we, why do we expect the human behavior to be different? Because you're a 22 year old playing football for an organization, right. making a massive amount of money off of you. And, right. and it's just, and it's this thought process. So yeah. Right. I, 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 and that's the world, by the way, that's the world in theory schools we're preparing people for to go into that world, but let's create a different world where they have no choice to have no rights and we own them. 
and they're making yeah. us a lot of money and they're getting no benefit from that. Yeah. Oh, they might get a benefit, but it doesn't cash in until four years later, even if they get injured and you know it gets ripped away. It's just when you look back on it, it's like, how did anyone think that way was okay? You yeah. know? They, I'm, I'm curious now, now that you bring that up, I'm curious what kind of fallout. So I know, and I don't, I'm curious, I don't, you and I, I don't know if we ever had this conversation, but huh. the perception always is, at least in middle America, that if an applicant, like if an applicant was an athlete and the further along in their world that they play a like college or a profession, mm -hmm. it, 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 it makes them a more attractive candidate because of team, you know, coachable team, mm -hmm. you know, now all of a sudden that same mentality also comes with, well, if you're not, if you're not treating me how I feel like I need to be treated and, or you're not compensating me how I feel like I need to be compensated, I'm going to leave. Right. So yeah. Are are we prepared, right? Are you are you prepared that you're hiring this former athlete who has this mentality who under and maybe not necessarily has the mentality and went through it, but mm -hmm. understands the concept now. Right? And I think yeah. this is this is the part of where there's a there's a level of society now that's been educated, right? You've got your blue blood, we'll call them your blue blood college sports fans that are upset about this. This is ruining yeah. college basketball. This is ruining college football. It's ruining college sports, right? Mm -hmm. And and maybe a lot of that is because there's a bit of jealousy and a bit of resentment and a, and a little mm -hmm. bit of um, um, lack of education because mm -hmm. they wish they, they could do that in their world. That's right. right. That's right. Like, like, and that's, and that's real. That's usually the root of a lot of the generational frustration is I wish I could expect the stuff that they expected when I was, you know, their age. They don't work and as hard. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and what will be fascinating this year, we have, you know, a program that's getting enormous amount of attention, University of Colorado, where they brought in Deion Sanders. They brought in everything that is about. And if you bring him in, you're not bringing in a coach. You're bringing in a way of life, you know. Yeah. And he's bringing in players that they've never they've never seen, and so we're going to see can can teamwork, can execution, can success. How quickly can it be realized in a world where everything changes quickly? Now, I, you know this because we've worked together for a while now. I don't. I have a lot of belief it can. It can absolutely turn quickly, yeah. but you have to be thoughtful around how complex the offense how complex the jobs are if you keep it simple you keep it you know learnable and you can accelerate team building and bonding um you know then you've got you you stand a chance but we're gonna be see we're gonna see it put to the test right now and that's yeah. why you know we had an episode on this before it's so interesting with elon he's basically going sideways to everything every school of leadership and management says and let's see how it works you know, or not. Yeah. Um, and can the power of uh, his figure and his status, you know, can that compensate for, you know, all the nice things we think a culture should have? I don't know. Sure. And now we're also going to see all that other stuff is, I, I mean, to me already, the season hasn't begun and I can't, I've never been so excited for next year's college football. I can't yeah. wait. Yeah. You know, yeah. and, and all yeah. the, think about it too. If we, if we parlay this towards business, think about all those schools that have those frustrated alumni who are just ready to write the checks for the NIL agreements for the, for the players to take their program from nothing to something. 
you know, and you can, you can do that now faster than, Oh, we've got to have four years of good recruits. And then hopefully we'll get better recruits. Mm -mm, You could turn the corner this year. How many, how many of those alumni, a large majority of them are business owners. How many of them alumni that are ready to write that big check ready or okay with this in their own business? Is that where you're going? (laughs) Zero. So, yeah. so, great call out. That's a great. Yeah. That's the same example as I, I show that slide you've seen around. Here's all the value of the automobile companies in the world. And Tesla's at the yeah. top of the list in terms of most valuable. Do you think any of those investors are following any of the ethos of how that business is run? Zero. Yeah. Right? And, and, and that's my question. It's like, okay, how many of them are like, oh, yeah, let's just get them in here. Even if they're only here for a year, coach, great call just out. get them in here. Just get them here. How like. I, like I'm, yeah. I want to know how many. I want to know how many of those people writing those checks, making all that money the other way, are with, like, an understanding because right. because because right. it right. is it is breed it is breeding a, a version of society that says wait a second you don't I don't feel valued I don't feel you recognize my worth I'm going uh-huh. to go find that elsewhere right yeah. and 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 really talented yeah. people can do that right like really yeah. talented. People yeah. can do that. And did I send uh, you the Tom Izzo clip? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You did. So frustrated, yeah, yeah. or you, maybe you sent it to me. Uh, I mean, that's it, Shane. I mean, hey, business leader, who's the what did they call him? The the sponsor, or you know, what do they call booster, the alumni? Booster. Booster. Yeah, yeah. booster hey, yeah. booster. You're creating a labor pool right now. That after you write the check for your alma mater, you're going and getting all pissed off about all the people you can't hire who are quitting in your company. You're creating that right here but before they've even hit the la- the the open quote market as a graduate <laughs> yeah yeah man yeah it's a, yes that's what i said i mean like i want to know like yeah are you okay with it right like right. i, 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 I mean, want to put know. me in front of a booster meeting put me in front of it right now because i would have so we would have so much fun just yeah. going okay what's your biggest person oh the freaking employees don't stick around blah blah oh yeah so how many of you writing that check? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You, you yeah. see what's going on here? Yeah. You're, you're trying. Yeah. You're okay. Yeah. 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 And, and, and it's such a, and it's, and it's, I mean, when we were talking about this, I didn't know that's where it would go, but yeah, it is like, it, it gets, it's, it's, are you like you, like you want your cake and eat it too. And that's ultimately yep. what we're dealing with. Right. Like, um, mm-hmm. you know, and, and we're seeing that we're seeing the, we're seeing the, the market react differently. I saw where, Tesla stock is down like 72% from the start of the year. Right. I know, so, I know. yeah. So like, you know, we're, we're the market always decides, right? Like the market is the market is the market. Like the market yeah. will tell you. Right. So I say this at scale, you know, if you think that you got to know who you are, right? Like if like Elon Musk maybe can get away with being Elon Musk and coming in, but that doesn't mean that, Tim Cook can, because he, that's not, he, he's, he's, he leads a different way. That's not who he is. Right. Like, Mm -hmm. like if I, my kids, how I raise my kids is different than how you raise your kids. It doesn't mean Mm -hmm. one is necessarily, there's things that you would do different in certain instances. There's things I would do different in certain instances. So yeah, it's just such a, that self-awareness. So my question to you before we, before we wrap it up is how, how would you, because we do have a lot of leaders. We do have a lot of senior leadership. We do have some CEOs. We do have mm-hmm. some board chairs that listen to this. 
Um, and we've got some cool stuff stuff coming up here in Portugal that we'll talk about once mm-hmm. the ink is dry on some things. But I think there's even some ways that it's this is changing the mentality, right? Like, mm-hmm. how do you assess the the skill gap of leadership, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I think like how, like how do we assess that, right? Is that easier or harder to um, to assess than your employees' um, mm-hmm. um, skill gap? And then what, what resources do you have to fix it? Right? Mm-hmm. Like what resources exist to fix it? So when you have somebody and they say, well, how do we go about asking this? Right? Like, Steve, what mm-hmm. do we do? Like, how do yeah. I know if my, my leader, if there's a leadership gap? I mean, yeah, I, we, and we should take that on as, you know, we bring on some guests in the new year to help us to join arms with us, to help us really, addresses because I think this is big, you know, and, and skills and the anatomy of skills and the combination of skills is absolutely the most important thing that we should be focused on going forward. Cause I think we are going to have to uh, explore lots of different possibilities if we're going to navigate this, uh, this future. And I think that that leadership skill gap is one, particularly in technology, that is one of the most underinvested domains because of the short cycle of from found to exit, founding to exit, and people are not building the hundred year companies. And, and, and it's hard. It's not because they don't want to, it's not because it's not a worthy cause. It's just because who am I to think that my business is going to be around in a hundred years when I see all this disruption coming. Right. And that's, so that's, a, that's a, that's a tough area of investment. You know, I think it's a worthy one. Um, and I think it's one that, I almost want to say is worth you self-investing in versus waiting for your company to invest in you becoming the leader, you know, but yeah, but let's go there and let's get some people who are, you know, who are thinking about this uh, with us because well, ironically, the, yeah. yeah, I was gonna say, ironically, there's actually something else that we're working on here in Portugal that is the fix to this. Like there's actually like some That's of right. it we can't like we're, chopping right. at the bits to publicly talk about, but there's like, there's right. there, there, like, there's a whole level of this that, 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 that we can do this and, and that we can offer a solution that's out there. So um, yeah, it's, it's such an interesting thing and you're right. Like it's like that self, that self-improvement, recognizing that self-improvement, that self-awareness of, mm-hmm. I don't know. And this goes back to the mental health conversation. This goes back to the, you know, being vulnerable question of saying, I don't know what I don't know. And, mm-hmm. and, and are, I recognize there's things I don't know. Can you help me? Right. Mm-hmm. And, and, and we need to normalize right. that. That's right. And it gets down to the core of curiosity, growth mindset, you know, being, being capable of imagining something different. Yeah. Asking questions, your team members and your staff and your leadership asking questions or questioning what's happening in your business I would argue in today's world is not a sign of lack of respect, lack of trust, lack of loyalty. I would argue mm-hmm. that it's actually your greatest gift. Mm-hmm. I would. Yep. I would. Yeah. Super, a superpower worth unlocking. And it's again, one of those simple things that sometimes we just don't take the time to, to do. Absolutely. Man, that was a good one. Wow. That was a good episode. Yeah. That flew by bro. It's an hour. Oof. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We got, uh, yeah, it was good. It was good. It was good. Yeah, yeah, man. Some good stuff. Some good stuff. But 
That was yeah. uh, another episode of the Work Week After Hours. I am Shane Howard with my friend. Steve Cadigan. We'll see you later.